0: This episode is sponsored in memory of Lois Joyce Bernstein-Rand, a Blessed Memory. This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barak Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C-Story.com.
1: You'll never know. You'll never know.
0: Shalom Aleichem, my sweetest friends. It's that time of the week again. Hasidic story time. And this week, I have two stories for you. Avremel and Gittel had a very large family. And they were very fortunate because they had a business that could provide for them and their family. They rented a tavern, and it was the most popular tavern in the whole area. And the reason was because Avramo made the best whiskey that anyone had ever tasted. What happened was Avramo used to purchase his whiskey from a distributor. One time he said to his wife, you know, we could make a lot more money if we could just make the whiskey ourselves. And she said to him, but Avramo, you don't know anything about making whiskey. He said, how hard could it be? And so he traveled around a bit and learned from some other people how to make whiskey. And eventually, he went to his Rebbe, the Sadagora Rebbe, Rabbi Avraham Yaakov of Sadagora, who was one of the sons of the Heile Gurishner Rebbe. And he said, Rebbe, please, I need help supporting my family. I've gone around and spoken with all these people who know how to make whiskey. Can you please tell me, Rebbe, how do I make whiskey? And the Rebbe gave a bracha. And he came back, and he started making whiskey. And right from the first batch, he would sell entire barrels every night. And he would spend many hours every night working on the whiskey while his wife would manage the tavern. And through this they were able to support their family and they had a very nice life. But one day, as things happen sometimes, Avramel got sick and he wasn't getting better. With each passing day, it seemed like Chas v'shalom. God forbid he might die. And then just like that, Avramel closed his eyes, he said Shema and he left this world. And his wife Gittel was so shocked and broken hearted. She didn't know what she would do. Her whole life was dependent on being a partner with her husband. And she had children to feed. And she didn't know how to make the whiskey. And if she didn't have the whiskey, in the tavern wouldn't make any money. She would owe money left and right. And only her husband knew how to make the whiskey that everybody loved. She didn't know what to do. And she was very stressed, even though she was mourning her husband. She was very stressed and didn't know what to do. And then she thought, wait a minute. Every time my husband had a problem, he went to his Rebbe. The Sadagor Rebbe. So why don't I go as well?" And so she traveled to the Rebbe, who of course comforted her for her loss. And she says, Rebbe, I don't know how I'm supposed to support this family without my husband. Besides the fact that I need an actual person to help me raise the family, he was the only one that knew how to make the special whiskey. Rebbe, please, can you give me a bracha? What am I supposed to do? And the Rebbe listened and he said, Please trust in Hashem. Everything will work out. Bezat Hashem. And so Gittel went back home. But there wasn't much whiskey left in the barrels, and every night people were coming and drinking more and more whiskey, and she didn't have any money, and the creditors were constantly knocking on her door, asking for money, and the landlord, to whom they owed money even before her husband passed away, was knocking on the door, asking to pay back the old debts and the new debts, and after a few months, it was just overwhelming for Gittel. She decided to go back to the Saddu'er Rebbe, but this time she wasn't going to leave with just a bracha. She said, Rebbe, you don't understand. It's not just enough to have a Muna, to have faith in Hashem. I have actual debts that I have to pay. I have people that I have to pay. I'm having a Muna. I'm trusting in Hashem. But Rebbe, it's not enough. Nothing is happening. And she saw that the Rebbe was listening, but he wasn't saying anything. So Gitto says, Rebbe, you know, I'll give you an idea. You know, we owe so much money to the poor, it's to the landowner. Maybe Hashem could arrange that I would be traveling on the same road at the same time as the Poritz, and his coach would hit a bump, and his wallet would fly out the window, and I would see it and pick up the money, and then pay back the Poritz with his own money. He wouldn't even notice he has so much money. And then I could keep some of the money for myself and sustain my family. Couldn't Hashem do something like that? And the Rebbe could see that she was really in a lot of pain, and he understood her pain. He said, my dear woman, please, we don't need to give Hashem advice. It's our job to trust in Hashem and let Hashem figure out how to solve this problem. You just keep doing what you were doing and Hashem will figure it out for you. So she went back home and did her best to stay happy and take care of her family. And one day, not long after she had come back from the Rebbe, her oldest son, who was a teenager, was home by himself. And he hears a knocking at the front door. And he goes and opens it. And who does he see standing right there? The Poorets, the person who owned the tavern and the land and everything around, the wealthiest person for kilometers and kilometers. And the teenage boy was a little taken aback, being in the presence of such a wealthy, distinguished person. He didn't even know what to say. And the Poorets says, boy, is your father home? And the boy says, my father died several months ago. We haven't been the same since. And the Poorets didn't really care about this boy's father dying says, what? What do you mean he died? He can't die. I have to have whiskey. I'm making a wedding for my daughter, and I need a very large amount of whiskey. And your father made the best whiskey that anyone ever tasted. I have to have his whiskey. Do you know how to make his whiskey? Of course, the boy didn't know how to make the whiskey. No one did. It was a secret. And his father died with the secret. And the poet says to the boy, take me down to the cellar and let me see what's in the barrels. And the boy says, your honor, we've been selling all of what's left of my father's whiskey. There's no whiskey left. All the barrels are empty. With the poets, he figured, ah, uh, this boy is just trying to be a shrewd businessman and create a position of power in order to get more money from the poets. The poet says, listen, boy, there's no reason to negotiate. I will pay you double. No, you know what? Triple the usual price. You just promise me that in two weeks time, the whiskey will be ready. And the boy didn't know what to say. So he was silent because he was shocked. And the Poritz was losing his patience. And he says, boy, why don't you answer me? Let's go around the cellar. I want to see for myself that there's nothing in the barrels. And so Vremel's son, scared, his legs are shaking. He starts taking the porrits around the cellar. And as soon as the porrits entered the cellar, he smelled whiskey. And he says, ah, that's a Vremel's whiskey that I'm smelling. He kept breathing it in. Ah, Vremel's whiskey. Ah, that's such good whiskey. Boy, take me to the whiskey. Where is it? And so the boy didn't know what to do. He started saying Tehillim. He started saying psalms. And in his mind, when he's repeating the Tehillim by heart, he says, Hashem, you have to help me. What am I going to do? Our family needs money. And our father left us without the recipe. And the poor, it's who knows what he'll do if he finds out that we don't have any more whiskey. The whole time he's davening. And one by one, the porridge opens the barrels. And they're all empty. The boy knew that the only barrels that had anything in them were filled with water from the river in the hopes of getting out a little bit of the taste of the whiskey that his father used to make. And he thought, boy, imagine what's going to happen to us when the porridge drinks water instead of whiskey. And finally, the porridge reaches one of the barrels that is full. And he opens it up. And he says to the boy, What is this, my boy? Looks like whiskey to me. And the boy says, your honor, it's not whiskey. It's just water. We just put water in the barrels. The poet said, what's with you Jews? Always trying to get a better deal. He took his hand and put it in the water and swallowed it down. His face lights up. And he says, wow, boy, I thought your father made good whiskey. You make even better whiskey. You tried to fool me, huh? I'll forgive you but only on the condition that you have three barrels of whiskey ready for me. They would better be just as good as what I just tasted. Then the porrits goes into his wallet, pulls out a huge wad of bills and hands it to the boy. Then he walks up the stairs and walks out. And on the way out, he says, Boy, I'll be back in two weeks. You better have that whiskey ready for me. So when Gitto came home, her son says, Mama, you won't believe what happened. The porrits was here. She says, No, what, what does the porrits want? Collect debts, we don't have any money. I said, No, he wanted whiskey. He wanted Tati's whiskey. She says, Oi, vey, we don't have any more whiskey. He said, I know. We just have the barrels filled with water. But you won't believe what happened. The porrits insisted on coming down to the cellar. And he went barrel by barrel, looking for Tati's whiskey. And when he opened up one of the barrels with water, he stuck his hand in and tasted it. And he said, this is even better than Tati's whiskey. And he ordered three barrels. And look, he paid me. And so Gitto looks at the money. On the one hand, she feels a sense of relief that she has money to pay off her debts and support her family. On the other hand, she has no idea how to make a Vremel's whiskey. And she doesn't know what happened to the Poritz. But in two weeks, they're certainly not going to have any whiskey for him. So Gitto goes to the Rebbe. She shows the Rebbe the money from the Poritz. And she says, the Poritz gave us all this money and expects me to make a Vremel's whiskey. The Rebbe, I don't know how to make his whiskey. The Rebbe says, I don't understand. My sweet woman, how can it be that the poor it's paid you if you don't have any whiskey? She said, you know, Rebbe, you don't understand. He just tasted some water in one of the barrels. And the Rebbe said, no, is there water lacking in your river? She said, Rebbe, I don't understand. The Rebbe said, first of all, there's no water lacking. Go and fill the barrels with water from the river, just like you usually do when you clean the barrels. Then go to your son and ask him, what was the secret of your husband's whiskey? Because he knows how to make it. And Gittel is confused. She goes back home and she tells her son, the Rebbe said, you know how to make Tati's whiskey. He said, I don't know how to make Tati's whiskey. He never told me anything. I don't know anything about whiskey. She said, the Rebbe said, you know how to make Tati's whiskey. So you're going to make Tati's whiskey. And he also said to fill the barrels with water from the river, just like we do when we clean them. So the two of them went and they carried buckets from the river and filled all the barrels, all of the empty barrels, filled them with water from the river. The whole time, the oldest son, the teenage boy of Remel's son, he's reciting Tehillim, he's saying, I don't know how to make my father's whiskey, but you Hashem, you can do anything. Hashem, I trust in you and I trust in the words of the Tzaddik. And again, he would say Tehillim and they would carry the water, and fill the buckets. And every day, the boy would go down to the cellar and recite to him, and Davin to Hashem. Say, Hashem, please, when the porridge comes, let him have the whiskey that he wants. Please, Hashem. And so the day of the wedding came, and the porridge's servants showed up to take the whiskey. And the family was paid an extra bonus for preparing it on time. And they bring it back to the porridge. And the guests at the wedding were going out of their minds. They'd never tasted whiskey so good in their entire lives tasted good and it was strong. And at some point, all of the noblemen wanted to know from the poets who made this incredible whiskey. And the poet said, it was a teenage boy, the son of Avremel, the master brewer who passed away a few months ago. And the next morning, there was a line of wealthy noblemen standing at the tavern, all placing orders for the special whiskey that they had had the night before. And gitto ran inside to tell her son, They looked at one another and they had no idea how the water turned into whiskey and how everybody enjoyed it so much. So they figured, okay, they're going to take all those empty barrels of whiskey and fill them again with water. And maybe the miracle would happen again. And Avremel's son told his mother Gittel, Mama, I think I know what Tati's secret is for making the whiskey. She said, no, son, tell me, please. He said, he simply trusted in Hashem, completely trusted in Hashem and davened. And that's what they're tasting. They're drinking water, but they're tasting whiskey. And two weeks later, all of the noblemen showed up, and everyone tasted their whiskey. And Within a few hours, all of the whiskey was sold for an absolute fortune. And of course, the family paid off all their debts. And once again, the noblemen came back to buy the best whiskey they'd ever had. And they continued making money from putting water into the barrels and asking Hashem for help. And eventually, Gittel, the widow, went back to the rebbe. And she said, Rebbe, I have to thank you. You gave us a blessing for a miracle to happen. And it happened again and again and again. And I don't know how to thank you for it, Rebbe. And the Rebbe just smiled. And he said, didn't I tell you that Hashem doesn't need our help figuring out how to save us? It's simply our job to trust in Him and to dive into Him. And Gittel said to the Rebbe, Rebbe, you should know. I spent so many nights trying to figure out every possible way Hashem could help us. Everything that a person could possibly think of, I thought of. But one thing that never occurred to me, Rebbe, was that water could be turned into whiskey. I should never have doubted you, Rebbe. I should never have doubted you. Shalom, one more short story for you. Around 200 years ago, there was a great Rebbe and a great tzaddik named Reb Mottal of Chernobyl. And Hashem, when I went on a trip to Ukraine several years ago, I went in Davin by the grave of Reb Mottal. It's in a potato field, not so far from Kiev. And Reb Mottal, he was known as a great tzaddik and he had hundreds, maybe thousands of Chasidim. Many of them had come after his father, the great tzaddik, Rebbe Menachem Nachem of Chernobyl, who was known as Reb Nachem of Chernobyl. Who was one of the closest Hasidim of the Heiligabal Shemtov? I'll tell you, my sweetest friends, just to say the name Reb Nachum of Chernobyl gives me goosebumps. It once happened that Reb the son of Reb Nachum, became sick, and he was so sick that he went into a coma, and people weren't sure if he was going to come out. And for four days, the Hasidim and his family were praying and saying to Hilim nonstop. And after four days, the Rebbe opened his eyes. And several weeks later, when he had fully recovered, he had a sudato daya, a meal of thanksgiving for the kindness that Hashem had shown him. And everyone was very happy, of course, their Rebbe was back. And people were dancing and singing. And one of the older Hasidim, who probably had one too many lachaims, he stood up and he said to the Rebbe, Rebbe. We know that when you were out for four days in the coma, you weren't just unconscious. For sure, the Rebbe was in the supernal realms. What did you see, Rebbe? Tell us what you saw. The Rebbe closed his eyes and was quiet for a few minutes. Then he said, you're right. I wasn't just unconscious when I was in the coma. I had left my body. My soul was rising, going higher and higher up to heaven. And I was sure that my time in this earth was over. And I was taken to the heavenly court. The Beit Din Shomala, and they were about to decide my fate. But I told the Beit Din, I'm not ready to die. I have more work to do in this world. I have Hasidim to take care of. I cried and I asked for mercy, but it didn't help. The Beit Din was about to make their decision. So out of desperation, I cried out to my holy father, Reb Nachum. And I said, Tati, please, if there's any chance of helping me, come and help me now. And my request was granted. My father was taken from the highest places in heaven, and we were face to face. It was the first time I had seen his face in all these years since he passed away, and I was so grateful to see my father, but he didn't recognize me. I said, "Tati, what do you mean, you don't recognize me? I'm your son, and I took all of your chassidim after you left this world. And so my father says to me, maybe you did some sin after I left the world, and for that reason I don't recognize you? And then he disappeared. So for three days, I'm trying to remember if I had done something wrong. I was crying, and I was davening, and I was asking Hashem to please show me my father again. And my father appeared, and he said he'd been searching all of the heavenly records, but he couldn't find anything. Apparently, I'd done something very small, maybe just before I got sick. And that's why he doesn't recognize me. So my father says to me, do you remember anything? And suddenly I remembered. It wasn't a sin, but it was the only thing I could think of. I told him that just before I got sick, a wealthy Jew, who had recently lost everything, came to me for a loan of several thousand rubles to get back on his feet. But I had to turn him down because I simply didn't have that kind of money. Still, I gave him whatever money I had, and I tried to comfort him. My father, Reb says, Comfort him? What did you say? Sir Reb says, I said uh, a phrase from the wisest of all men, King Solomon, Melech Shlomo, in Mishle, who says, Hashem, Yochiach, the one who's beloved to Hashem, he's harsh with him. My father says, what did you mean when you said that to the wealthy man? And I said, what do you mean, what did I mean? I meant what it says, that the wealthy man shouldn't worry, because sometimes Hashem makes people suffer, because he loves them. Suffering can atone for their sins. Who's beloved? The one that Hashem makes suffer. Ah, my father said, now I know I didn't recognize you. I would have never said such a thing. And here in heaven, we learn that sentence completely differently. Up here, we learn it like this. Whoever is beloved, that is someone that you see that you love, and of course we love every Jew and every creature that Hashem created, and we see that that person is suffering, then you have to reprove Hashem. You have to say to Hashem, not okay. Just like Moshe Rabbeinu did when he said, why do you make your people suffer? Just like Moshe argued with Hashem and Hashem listened. You needed to argue with Hashem. Hashem would have listened to you. So my father said, when it comes to the suffering of others, we have to protest. We have to try to change Hashem's mind and not just justify what Hashem did. And after my father said those words to me, I came back to life, came out of the coma, and I was given the opportunity to do more work in this world. The Alexander Rebbe used to say that everything in the world can be used for serving Hashem. And so someone came to the Alexander Rebbe and say, Okay, Rebbe, how can you serve Hashem? by being an atheist. And the Rebbe said, oh, that's very easy. He says, when it comes to helping your fellow Jew, you have to be like an atheist. You daven to Hashem, but you don't wait for Hashem to take care of it. You do everything you can. And that's what brought Reb Matal back to life. So Bezat Hashem, when we see our friends, our fellow Jews suffering, we daven to Hashem, we reprove Hashem, but we also be like the holy atheist and just get to it and help them. Thank you for listening, my sweetest friends, as always. I want to thank Rebbets and Dawn, who sent in a beautiful contribution to the podcast, in memory of her holy mother, Lois Joyce bernstein Rand, who passed away recently. May her neshama have an aliyah and ganedin, and her memory be for a blessing. Thank you very much for your contribution, and may Hashem comfort you and your family and all the mourners of Zion and Jerusalem. And thank you, all of you, for listening, as always. I'm serious when I tell you every single day people are sending me comments, and messages, and emails. And I love every one of them, even some of the crazy ones. I don't mind them. So write to me, my friends, and leave comments. And share the podcast. Share the love and the light. And I look forward to next week when we'll share more stories together. Thank you again for listening. And zai my sweetest friends. Chaim. The time.